Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Cafecito con Estrellita. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hola mi gente, welcome back to Cafecito con Estrellita. I hope you're doing well today. Now, I have so much I definitely want to bring up into this episode in regards to community colleges, grad programs, and four-year university programs, whether it's Cal States or UCs, and here's the thing, mi gente, I know for a fact that my platforms, whether it's through IG, the podcast itself, once in a while, Twitter and Facebook, because it's kind of hard for me to keep up with those platforms as of now, within the sense of putting in content, um, I'm really aware of the fact that I like to highlight in the most positive and growing type of way, all the things that is education-based, if you know what I'm saying, mi gente. So even when something just hits hard and it's definitely not the best news for, let's say, minority students or low-income students, I always try and find a way to switch up that negativity to turn into a growing moment. Because let's face it, there's just so many things going on in the world right now, pandemic-wise. And even not pandemic-wise, it's just so common to have like the negatives or the hardships or the you know, the stats that don't always work in the favor of minorities to be against us. Like it's it's common. It's a thing. However, that doesn't mean we shouldn't Find a way to turn all those negative tendencies into ways to just push us to keep going. And trust me, mi gente, I've been seeing so many poderosos education students, whether it's through, once again, community college, grad school, etc. They're just pushing, they're striving, even with or without the hardships. And even for the first-gen students that may have taken like a leave of absence this semester in whatever school they're in, that doesn't mean they're giving up. That doesn't mean that they're flame to be educated, get that degree, and just keep moving forward. That doesn't mean it died down. That just means they're taking the time to work on them, and they're taking the time to not only, if possible, be with La Familia, if that's what they're able to be with at this moment during such a crazy time, but to also just take a step back and just really just work the best way they can through this pandemic. Because being a student during a pandemic is very overwhelming. Which is why I completely understand when people have chosen to take leave of absences for this fall. Because it's it's normal. Or it's the new normal for now, if that makes sense. Because have, I've mentioned before on like many IGTV lives and also many other episodes that uh, spending all this tuition money and not even getting like some type of a, I don't know, college student promo code, <laughs> not even getting that just to be sitting in front of our computers for so many hours during the day, I'm not about that life. So I completely understand where our gente mindset is with all this like take a break let's just oof now my friends 
Did I just say me friends? Ew. I like mi gente better. It feels more connected. Uh, yeah, I'm going to stick to mi gente. I don't even know where mi friends came from. Anyways, mi gente. Now, I know in a previous episode I had mentioned that it was pretty common for many Cal States to allow students that were applying to master programs to apply without GRE scores because they just weren't required. Not every master's program at a lot of Cal States required GRE scores. Now, there were also many UCs that they require GRE scores, but with everything that has been going on during this year, a lot of UCs are also announcing that for specific grad programs in their institutions, they're not requiring students to take the GRE, which is just so mind-blowing to me because it's like, I never thought I'd see the day. It just always seemed like these exam requirements were just, it was a, it was the expected expectation. If you know what I'm saying, Mijenta, it's, it was like, you are not going to get further into education unless you take these exams, which is so like unfair if you really think about it, because those exams like the GREs, SATs, ACTs were all created by basically non-minority individuals, basically people with money, people who had families that could guide them through academia as a whole. So those types of like entrance exams have always benefited individuals in that sense. However, for individuals like myself that fit into the minority requirement, it's never always worked in our favor, if you know what I'm saying. Don't get me wrong. I know many Latinx individuals and other minority students that killed GRE scores. They just did it. They studied. They cranked through and made it into their programs. However, I'm also not going to highlight the fact that I've also met and have read articles not just any articles, by the way, like peer-reviewed articles that had also mentioned that there are students that are from minority backgrounds that didn't do that well in GRE exams and no matter how much they studied, but that doesn't mean they don't deserve their education. You know what I'm saying, Mijante? Just because an exam didn't go so well does not mean that everything that was put into extracurriculars or even job experience or even just course grades should have should have or shouldn't be ignored if you get like where I'm going, mi gente. So a lot of things are changing. And the next thing, this is like that fact I definitely want to highlight for today's episode is the fact that it was mentioned in March, the UCs temporarily suspended the current standardized test requirement for fall 2021 due to all the COVID-19 you know, consequences. And it pretty much made these tests optional for people trying to apply to UCs right after high school. Now, it also looks like the UCs will keep these tests optional for an additional year through 2022. And for 2023 and 2024, the UCs will be test blind which means students will still have the option of submitting a test score, but that score can only be considered for purposes such as course placement, certain scholarships, and eligibility for the statewide admissions guarantee. Now you can find the rest of this information on 
theuniversityofcalifornia.edu. Now, mi gente, I definitely also want to highlight the fact about this fact. I don't know. I don't know how else to put it in my own words, but I remember when I was in high school, 18 years old. That's when I graduated. Anyways, I was expected, or it felt like I was expected by, like you know, my adult peers and you know those around me that I should be applying to four years right after high school. However, because at least for me personally, I did not have the best grades in high school. Let's be real. I, I really did it. I mean, I wasn't failing, but I was definitely BC average and I had never like taken an SAT prep class, like, you know, just things like that. So that's why when looking at the stat, I was just so dumbfounded because I thought that taking an SAT, ACT was like inevitable. It was always going to be a requirement. You were never going to make it through academia if you did not just sit down and take that test. And well, I still graduated with my undergrad, went to an amazing CC, got my BA at UCSB, and now in a grad level program, I think I'm doing pretty pretty good in my life in regards to never taking the SAT really in my life. So if, you know, this just goes to show that standardized tests should not always be the determining factor in whether, whether students get into programs or not or universities or not. And with all of this going on, Mijente, it just shows that like even in academia, anything is truly possible. Whether it seems like it's never going to change, which in my case, I I never thought the day would come that SAT and ACTs would be canceled, pretty much. Or, I mean, I guess optional. Let's not be dramatic, Estrellita. Do you know what I'm saying, mi gente? Now, it's crazy because you would think, especially because I'm in a grad-level program right now, you would think that I'd be more dumbfounded in the fact that exams such as the C-BESTS, which is what students need to take when applying to teaching credential programs, or even if the teaching credential program is a dual program where they get their credential, then go straight into their master's in education, which is where I'm focusing right now myself, or even GREs or SATs, a lot of them have been waived for this academic year, whether in the sense where, well, in my case, the CBEST, if you didn't already take it earlier this year, they extended it to you pretty much got into your program. And this was the case for many students, not all students, but for many, you got into your program. However, you were still expected to take your CBEST before graduation. Which is crazy to think because a lot of a lot of grad programs that focus on teacher education, it seemed almost impossible for many of the campuses to accept students that didn't take CBS. Like you had to take it or you weren't getting in and you would have to reply later apply later. And now with the whole COVID thing, it's like we're just going to take that requirement away and make it a thing that you're in, but just take it later. You know what I'm saying, mi gente? Anyways, and then like GREs and I'm trying to think of, I mean, I don't want to say that MCAT has was also postponed because I genuinely, genuinely do not know. I only know in regards to like the GRE, CBES, and ACT, SATs. But anyways, 
I was not that surprised when the CBS and GREs got like pushed back or not because I was I I was already like used to like not used to but I I already knew that it was common for institutions not to always ask for the GRE, even the four-year uni- four-year university institutions, Cal States and whatnot, I, I knew that was a thing. The CBEST's being pushed back where you were still in your program if you applied during the right time, just take your CBEST later, I was kind of surprised, but I definitely got that whoo, dumbfounded moment, like I cannot believe it, when I found out the SAT, ACT were like, you know, pretty much optional because that just never seemed like it was going to change. And I guess the reason why I was not surprised that a lot of schools right now for grad programs were like, you know, not really considering the GRE is because um, fun fact about your podcaster over here who just loves education and has been in school for so long. Mi gente, before I started at my Cal State Cal State Stanislaus right now. I was originally at Cal State Fullerton. However, um, it wasn't because I didn't love my program, my master's program I was in at the time, but I dropped out of my master's program at Cal State Fullerton. Ooh, I could I said it. I said it out into the world. Estrellita is a former grad school dropout. Now, I didn't do it for money sense. I didn't do it because I was lazy. I did it more for family personal reasons, which maybe one day I'll get into, maybe one day not. You could let me know if you want to know about like that aspect of my life. Anyways, mi gente. But, I mean, a year and a half later, I start. I applied and got in and now just loving the program I'm in now, which I'm so happy and thankful for, especially during this time of distance learning. Now, mi gente, before we continue on with the rest of this episode, we're going to take a quick break, but be prepared to dive into, or just basically hear me talk about the disadvantages that many community colleges are facing right now, and I think it's something that needs to be highlighted. All right. Welcome back, mi gente. Thank you so much for sticking through our little advertisement section. Uh, I keep like, so I use the app Anchor, as I mentioned in this commercial, to record my podcast. However, I just hope it gets, I'm able, like, as I continue to just practice announcing these ads, I just get better in the sense with like enunciation or whatnot. But then again, I may just be a hard critic to myself, which I don't, I don't really like to be. Obviously, in the past, I was more of that because I definitely jumped on that self-hate, hate train, if that makes sense. And well, let me just refrain that. I never had self-hate for myself to that extent. But what I mean is that I definitely jumped on the hate train of not loving myself, if that makes sense. And the reason why I'm using the term hate train is because it seems like it's very common for people to just like you know, once again, highlight the negative aspects of themselves, whether it be like their body or their intelligence level or their content creation ideas, all the way down to even like their heart on themselves about like the grades they get in school. And it's more common for people to do that, which is why I use the word hate train, because it's like, 
the way they will describe it about themselves or even like the kind of jokes people will use on themselves about that stuff, my old self included, it really does sound like, hey, even if you don't actually mean to hate yourself, if that makes sense. All right. So I'm, I'm kind of babbling a little bit, but let's get back to the name topic. So edsource.org. Now, mi gente, I'm subscribed to their newsletter. I'm so in love with it because, as I mentioned before, my two favorite social media platforms are Instagram and LinkedIn. And, well, LinkedIn is pretty much the professional, like, Facebook. And LinkedIn, it's always, like, you know, publishing these, if it's not peer-reviewed articles, it's, like, you know, I guess I would just say overall nerdy articles, which is, like, I love to, like, just dive into. And it's actually where I find myself getting a lot of my content creation ideas for the platforms that I'm, you know, actively on. If it's not Pinterest, it's LinkedIn or Instagram. Mainly LinkedIn, though. Anyways, mijante, I just wanted to highlight the fact that, like, edsource.org, I found through LinkedIn, once again, a more professional type of social media. And I've definitely mentioned in the past, episodes-wise, edsource.org. However, I used to call it edscholar.org. Why? I really don't know. So this is me correcting myself using that red pen and saying, edsource.org, not edscholar. Because again, in case you guys really want to visit these websites and just read the types of articles that my, I guess I would say nerdy self likes to read, then you are able to. And well, the article that I found right now, well, not even right now, what am I saying? The article that I had found on edsource.org, right away the title, fewer students attending California community colleges, early fall numbers, show. And these early numbers show that our community college systems got really hit hard, not just by the California fires that seemed like they were almost never going to end, but also by the pandemic itself. And mi gente, we know this, community colleges, they are the most affordable education route you can take in regards to getting your undergrad completed. So like, even if let's say you don't get financial aid at your community colleges when you're enrolled, you still get a way more affordable price for those lower div undergrad courses in comparison if you were were to do them at a UC or Cal State right after high school. So just to see that this article is highlighting that community college are getting hit hard, that is a concern for me. But at the same time, I'm truly not surprised. Now, let me backtrack. The reason why I I believe this to be a concern is the fact that on social media platforms or even news articles, I see more research and announcements said and done about Cal States and UCs and how their distance learnings are going and how their students are doing and whatnot. However, community colleges, unless you really, really look for it, at least in my case, and that's that, again, I just told you the kind of things I'd like to read. For me, I always have to put in that extra mile, that extra effort, just to find community college, like, pretty recent, accurate articles about what's going on with them during distance learning. So that's why it concerns me that they're not always highlighted. So I'm using this episode to just highlight, you know, the troublesome that's happening on those campuses in the sense that there's students that don't 
they, they don't want to be doing distance learning classes. And because community colleges have more affordable tuition rates, it doesn't hurt as hard to put in a leave of absence for a semester at a community college in comparison to four-year students. Now, I'm not saying that four-year university students that put in leave of absences, so like let's say someone that was at Cassidy Fullerton right now or UCI, I'm not saying it it doesn't hit hard or it it doesn't hit hard or it does hit hard for everyone's situation is different. But what I am saying is that it seems less likely to hit a student hard emotionally and financially when taking a leave of absence from a community college because community colleges typically work in the favor of low-income students and minority students that are enrolled at those institutions. And I say that all because, again, community colleges are just more affordable, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know about you, mi gente, but when I've taken a leave of absence from a four-year university, whether Cal State or UC, it would kind of hit my ego a little more just because I definitely had to drop way more pennies at those institutions. However, with community colleges, I've never put in a leave of absence for one, but just experiencing like, you know, what I've had to pay for tuition costs at community colleges, it's like I felt more like secure in the sense where it's like my ego wasn't hit because I knew that the community college's humble prices pretty much would not make me feel like, you know, like, oh, I'm paying thousands of dollars. No, like basically community colleges, I just love that they're more affordable. And four years, I don't love that they're not so affordable. You know what I'm saying, Mijente? So overall, this leaves me thinking that the minority students and the low-income students that have taken a leave of absence from the community colleges this fall probably felt more confident enough to feel like, okay, I can take this break for the semester due to everything going on in the world and I'll be okay. Versus it's just the numbers don't always necessarily look the same for the students that like took those leave of absences for the fall at the UCs and the Cal States. And what I'm about to say right now, I, I will definitely say it's more opinion based, but I think it just goes back to the fact that like when you're just dropping so much money to get your degree at these more expensive institutions, it's just like you you don't want to take that stop. You just want to get it all done to just, I don't know, like pay all those tuitions out of the way. And I'm just saying it more in the sense that it's just like, at least for me, it's I was that student that it's like in the past that I just wanted, even if it cost a lot of money, I just wanted to get it done in regards to academia. Obviously now with age and everything going on, I've learned that leave absences, they're fine. They're they're necessary when a student really needs them, specifically during this academic time. Now, let me just like stop this little rant and focus more on what the article was saying. And by the way, this was also more of a like, this article on edsource.org definitely had research and short interviews set on it, but it was also definitely opinion-based as well. Now, one of the things that I have highlighted in my notes that right now, like literally on my MacBook notes, I like copied and pasted it because I just wanted to make sure I told you all correctly. But typically in an academic, no, scratch that. 
Typically, in an economic recession, enrollments in community colleges increase because students have a harder time finding jobs and to seek to improve their skills by taking college classes, which it seems very logical if you ask me, and it makes sense because I remember back, um, back I believe it was the 2006 like house market crash, whatnot, um, there were students that during that time, they had enrolled into PhD programs, and they had been in their PhD programs because they just knew that the job market was going to be like a rocky hit for them. And I remember a couple of my TAs I had during undergrad at UCSB, they were students that applied to do PhD programs during that that economic recession. So it's kind of like history repeated itself again or was on its verge of repeating itself again. And so, well, this pandemic definitely took a notch in the sense that everything's online. Now, bear with me. It makes sense for students to, once again, enroll in school during an economic recession because if the jobs are so bad, they don't want to be feeling like they're just, I guess, in the sense of wasting time, not like applying these jobs and getting rejected. If they could just go to like an educational institution, in this case, community colleges, gain the classroom and hands-on experience that they need in their classes, and then just try again when they best believe that the, you know, economic the economic situation in our world is a lot better. However, with the whole distance learning and not even able to go to places in person because of an economic recession, that's just so many pressures. And it's like, if you can't even really feel like you're improving your hands-on skills in the sense where a lot of students, they will take community college classes that are in automotive or cosmetology or anything in that sense which is like they can get a vocational degree and it's more hands-on learning in their classes if they can't if they can't get that same experience through like an online class through like zoom or teams google classroom and whatnot they for sure do not want to be sitting in the computer for like eight hours like a lot of other students that are just trying to power through their ge's so they just feel like i need to take that that leave of absence overall. You know what I'm saying, mi gente? Because you could be taught to do like, I'm assuming an automotive, you change a tire. I don't know much about cars. <laughs> I should though. Anyways, mi gente, it's like you can't learn the same way through distance learning, which is like, I am surprised but not surprised at this, this, you know, this mention in the article because it's like, why would students, specifically ones that are just trying to get two-year degrees to go straight into those types of degrees that require work with their hands, like, why would they want to take it virtually? That's just adding more stressors and then money on top of that. And even though community colleges are more affordable than, like, CSUs and UCs, there's still, like, you know, a couple... I believe it's as of now forty around forty six dollars per unit. So doing all that math, they're not going to be wanting to drop that many pennies if it's just like they won't feel they'll gain the most benefit from it. You know what I'm saying, mi gente? Which is why now I'm going to be transitioning into a next mention from this article. We're seeing that COVID is having disproportionate impact on students who are poorer 
says the author Rodriguez, the two colleges that serve the poorest or lowest income students have the greatest drops in enrollment. And by the two colleges, the article is highlighting community colleges, which again goes back to the fact that it's like, if these first generation minority students and whatnot cannot take the required classes to like you know, build on their career development, especially if it's like hands-on careers, that it's like they're not one they're not gonna wanna like juggle being a first time college student and a first time ever university college wide distance learning setting. It's like a first hand experience for many professors that are teaching online right now. And then it'd be a first hand experience for these first gen minority students to be like sitting in those classes for the first time ever and never taking courses like that before. Dropping those coins, it's too many pressures, especially when you highlight the fact that there are so many minority students that, as I've mentioned before, Latinx households, or I would say minority student households, there is always something going on. It's never as quiet as you would, you know, prefer it to be when you're working on homework. And, you know, it's pretty common. Like, you can see all these TikToks, and you know when it made it on TikTok, it's pretty, it's pretty common. <laughs> so it's like... If these students, they they have all these ruckuses going on in their house and then they have their parents getting stressed out at the fact that maybe their parents got like job cuts or they lost a job or now they're trying to help their younger brothers and sisters um, get through distance learning in the K-12 through system. If you're putting that all in a household, stressed, stressed out parents and then um, siblings that are in K-12, through and then you're a first-gen college student, even if it's you are just trying to, like, you know, do community college for the more affordable tuition rates for distance learning, it's a lot of pressures at once. And a lot of the time, even when you do explain to our beloved Latinx or minority parents, even if you do sit down and explain step-by-step, They sometimes don't always want to listen, and I know they mean well. Trust me, I do, because nobody's perfect. It could still feel stressful in the sense where it's like, I'm trying to get through college, especially as a first-time college student, going through a first-time learning setting that's the first time for anyone in academia, really, right now, and then you can't even let me concentrate. (laughs) It's like, of course I understand why the students that are are minorities, first gen, in these community college districts are taking that leave of absence because it's too much at once. And even the article itself had mentioned that there was an individual who said it herself. When the pandemic hit, we were all basically here at home at the same time. Interruptions are common. Sometimes when I'm just trying to do my schoolwork, One of my family members might say, oh, can you do the dishes? It's like, how could you expect a first-gen student to, you know, do the best they can during distance learning when they don't necessarily have the best, like, 
guidance for distance learning available to them or maybe their education isn't even being seen as serious because let's be real a lot of minority parents I'm also just highlighting Latinx parents because again I know more of the Latinx household experiences they may see us on the computer and just think we're playing games or because they see us on a laptop or maybe if we're watching our lectures from zoom on our phone it just looks like we're playing on our phone so we're not that busy but that's not that's not always necessarily the case now it's so funny because don't get me wrong i i'm definitely a fan of youtubers such as alicia marie remy ashton you know the the types of youtubers that how can i say this that did not grow into latinx households like i like to watch their content too especially when i'm just trying to learn like new strategies with like marketing or creating content because it's like i like to learn from like all different types of diverse backgrounds to see which one will best benefit me and with what i'm doing now stemming back i love those types of youtubers and watch their videos every now and then specifically sorry i burped specifically when it's something like educational based with marketing content creation anyways that is besides the point so i see these influencers that i like to watch and they are always talking about like all the best ways to work from home. They talk about all the effective things that you could be doing with content creation or branding and whatnot. However, it does make like working from home based on like their experiences and their needs almost kind of not relatable at all to first gen students that are literally just pretty much working from home now whether they're they're students or students and actually have a not nine to five job but even just a part-time job it's pretty irrelevant like i'm gonna be real me gente like as much as i love youtubers like that i cannot relate to them in the sense with like they have their fancy desk they have their personalized little office or i guess like work corner in their house and this isn't me hating at all i mean like you know to each their own and to each they're happy for like their accomplishments they made but i'm not gonna like ignore the fact that it's not the same like that for everyone so for me personally while i had been sitting through distance learning and these very long zoom courses that i sat through i sat through all of them on this little desk i bought on amazon for like 29 dollars, and i built it but it's like fake wood and obviously because i mean even though i followed directions i still found a way to mess it up and it's wobbly <laughs> and um i have like six dollar blue lens glasses and i use notebooks from like the dollar tree and if i if you see any cute little notebooks that i own it was either a gift or a one-time splurge that i had made in like you know like a recent amount of months and I mean, I use a cake stand for crying out loud to hold my podcast mic and um, I think it's called a pop filter. Yeah. And that's like literally me being able to podcast on a budget and had done my distance learning on a budget. And it's like, I would have loved to have all this like, you know, fancy access to all these things to like better, like, you know, my college experience as like, you know the year 2020 but that's just not the case for all of us specifically minority students so 
let me just like overall pinpoint everything. Love the fact that there are educational platforms that don't forget to highlight community colleges. And I'm not like surprised at the fact that people are choosing to leave a, put in like a leave of absence for this fall semester in hopes that the spring semester either they feel more confident to navigate through distance learning or maybe things just got a little bit better. Pero en serio, mi gente, at least based on my personal opinion, I see ourselves as academia in a whole not really, you know, going back in person anytime soon. And as much as there are struggles, I think it's the best for all of us to kind of stay that way in the sense that it's like, I know there's people that have their mixed feelings with the coronavirus. I mean, me, myself, I still go to work in person, but like I wear my masks and whatnot, but it just seems almost inevitable, inevitable not to have a full a full, um, how can I say this, a full class filled with students, more than like 10 people. But then again, I'm not an expert. I'm just taking it day by day. This, It's just scary to live through something that is just so unknown to many of us. And all I'm going to say is, mijenta, that no matter what situation you're in right now, whether you took a leave of absence from a community college or a you know, a Cal State or a UC, or even if you're just like, you didn't want to do that leave of absence and you're sitting through and just powering it through it all. I just want you to know, I am so proud of you. You are making it. You're going to make a difference for yourself and pretty much for history, for all of us. And I want you to remember, you're not the only one feeling overwhelmed. I got you. I feel the same way. And that's why creating this podcast and just platforms that, you know, elevate and motivate first-gen students is something very important to me, especially during everything that's going on. And I've also noticed that with my latest solo episodes, yes, I've been getting positive audience engagement. However, I feel like I also need to be a little bit better in the sense that, yes, I'm highlighting things that I had experienced or research that I've done in regards to like first-gen students no matter what college level they're in but I feel like I also have to be better at just also mentioning like how's academia looking for us first-gen gente through this whole distance learning like I know I am mentioning it quite often but I feel like I can be better if that makes sense. But then again, as I mentioned before, we're all our, you know, we're all our worst critics to an extent. All right, Mante. So this is going to go ahead and conclude our episode. I know I usually like bring in more like lifestyle types of topics as well, like in college, but I'm going to go ahead and touch on those as well as I continue on with these episodes. But oh, I just realized, Mante, hold on. I did not mention the quote of the day. What is wrong with Estrellita? Hold on. Let me open it up on my phone, just like I always mention to you guys when. Whenever I have my phone out or I'm reaching for an article on my laptop, I like to let you guys know that I'm doing that so then you don't feel like, what's that background noise that is super, super, like, not loud, but, you know, noticeable. Now, according to IIYC Family on Instagram, 
Emotional intelligence is so important. Understanding how you feel, where it stems from, and how you make others feel is a huge part of growing. And this was posted on the IIYC family Instagram page, but the author of this quote is Ariel Simon. And it's so ironic, mi gente, because it's true. We need emotional intelligence to understand and just navigate through certain situations a lot better for ourselves. And we also need it as students that are experiencing distance learning because we need to know when we're feeling cranky, it's not because there's so many people in our houses because in reality, a lot of Latinx minority families tend to have, tend to have like, you know, a lot of people in their households. But it's not because, you know, you got a big family in the home. I mean, I personally love having a full house. No, it's not that. It's the fact that your courses are feeling a little overwhelming. There's, you don't feel that things are as quiet as they could be for you navigating through your courses. And you understanding that that's the reason why. And it's not because your sister is just like walking by like she normally does. That, that just makes it different for not only your heart, but also for those around you to then hopefully continue to make a more positive environment in your household or wherever you may be that you know you need to apply emotional intelligence in. And I feel like emotional intelligence is just a daily common thing for many of us to go through every day and we have to be aware of because then we feel better and... We're not over there, like, stressing others out. You know what I'm saying, mi gente? All right, everyone. Thank you so much for sticking through this episode. And stay tuned for this week's interview episode. And toma tu agua antes de tu cafecito. Hablamos pronto.